truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. We are live and on demand here on The Blaze. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. We've got a fourth member member of the crew. Shannon Joy, New York talk show host, is here with us too. The Dace Group coming your way in just a matter of moments. 888-900-3393 is the number here to the blaze. 888-900-3393. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. And we'll be getting to some of that feedback on a Feedback Friday next hour. Steve at stevedace.com is one way to reach us. Email us. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. And for those of you merely listening today on Blaze Radio uh, and or the podcast, you don't have that graphics package in front of you. The last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. One of the cool things about getting to do this for a living, other than it beats going down a mine shaft with a flashlight, is the opportunity to support so many worthwhile causes like our friends at Back to Jerusalem. The heart of their ministry is to take God's word to what are called closed countries all over the earth. And these are nations that have closed their people off, or at least attempted to close their people off to the scriptures because people that are inspired and hope-filled and what better source of inspiration and hope is there than the Bible? People that are inspired and hope-filled have a tendency not to put up with being oppressed as much as those that aren't do. And that's where Back to Jerusalem comes in, whether it's Iran, Somalia, North Korea, or their own native country where they operate out of communist China. Their goal is they take the scriptures, they put them in a very small electronic form to be downloaded later and reach somebody whose faith is being persecuted or denied. Their overall cost from conception to delivery of one of these Bibles is 15 bucks. That's their overhead per unit. If you could help them reach at least one of these people in these closed countries, it'll cost you about what a fast food lunch does. Give them a buzz at blazehelp.org. That's the website, blazehelp.org, or you can call them at 844-305-0566, 844-305-0566. And now it's time for the day's group. Your weekly look at the week that was brought to you by our friends at Riduzone. You know, nobody really has a stoplight at their kitchen table, dinner table, telling them when it's time to stop eating because that would just be weird. But your body was given one. It's called OEA, and it's a substance that when we're younger, healthier, or sometimes it just goes out on its own. Nobody really knows why. Uh, It helps to regulate our metabolism to send that signal to the brain. Hey, it's okay to stop eating. We're full now. And this may be one of the key reasons why as you're you're fighting that battle of the bulge, you're not seeing the results you're looking for. So give Riduzone a try. It only has three ingredients and its main one is OEA. If you want to give Riduzone a try to stop fighting the losing battle of willpower and to start fighting back against cravings, here's what you need to do. It's not a stimulant, by the way, and it doesn't contain caffeine. I want to make sure we make that point clear as well. Riduzone.com is the website, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for Riduzone.com. If you go there, they'll get you a special offer right now at Riduzone.com. We begin with issue one, our weekly look at the race for the Democratic presidential nomination, bleep Democrats say. 
The message is that Bill Barr is a chicken. A lot of the policies uh, that we have put in place has kind of helped lead um, the devastation in Venezuela. We talk about there's a division in the Democratic Party. We agree on basically everything, all of us running, all 400 of us. No, we are so past dog whistles now, Donald. You are just inciting violence. Oh, Trump takes a dig at his opponents. Trump makes provocative remarks. But as you say, it's much darker than that. This is a president who's willing to incite violence against Democrats, against minorities. He's now talking about having purged scum. The blood, the blood that is spilled is on your hands. What are you proudest of in your administration? I know what I said. It turns out he said the same thing and probably a little more what? clearly than I did. <laughs> that not one single whisper of scandal. Well, to Joe, this was a cultural difference mm -hmm. because culturally he was raised in a family that was super affectionate. The president has a motto, make America great again. Do you have one? Make America moral again. He's a serious person with high integrity. No, I don't think I've crashed and burned at all. I don't think I've trafficked in nonsense. I, I want to make sure that those who work in the oil and gas industry. Uh, those who work in the fossil fuel industry are brought along as partners to make sure that we make this transition in the 10 years that we have left to us as the science and scientists tell us. And leaders who, who feed fear uh, typically are also ones who avoid facts. And so that is the current status of our legal documented path. It is completely unjust. I don't care if you're documented, I don't care if you're undocumented. In my view, that if you are an American citizen, even if you do something terrible, even if you're a bad person, we can't take away your right to vote whether you're in jail. I'm a JFK Democrat. I will pay any price, bear any burden, support any friend, oppose any foe to ensure the defeat of Donald J. Trump. You could be for Medicare for all or not. You could, you could shoot my dog. And if I think you can beat Trump, I'm going to be for you. So there you go. What would a Friday be without another stirring rendition of the old Soviet national anthem? Let's get to issue one's first question. Todd, I'll begin to you, with you. What was your favorite form of crazy this week and why? Well, just on pure honesty, Bagala at the end. Thank you, man. I mean, amen. Feeling you right there. I mean, yeah, you're being real knows real. Uh, By the way, nice, nice balanced panel there. Yeah. On uh, CNN, <laughs> you have Anna Navarro, who literally no one on earth knew who this woman, woman was until she figured out how to blame Donald Trump for literally everything. Um, and and then you have Paul Begala, longtime Democrat Party activist consultant, who, by the way, I've learned via him tweeting at me that him and I have a lot of similar tastes in movies, but that's not important right. now. Anyway, that's a seems like a very balanced panel there on CNN talk. Well, uh, Alyssa Milano had the lead for me. I mean, that's, that's... Until you saw Begala? No, no, no. I give him the honesty credit. No, okay. but on, on so my points for honesty form to the of forehead. crazy, yes. just that full-on, you know, yeah, yeah. well, it's uh, me too, kind of meets my truth. It's really kind of strange. Entered some gray area there. She, she, she's still hashtag me too. She's yeah. just hashtag me too with Paul Begala right now. Me it's, too, Paul, yeah. on where you're at, right? But then I got to get Bernie Sanders. The uh, no matter how bad a person you are, we can never take your right to vote away. But if you want to be, say, 
appointed as a bean counter in the federal government and you happen to believe in Jesus, well, then you have no rights, son. I mean, Bernie Sanders is just fascinating in his old man, I don't give a rip. Yeah, I'm a diehard socialist, but sometimes I say crazy things. I mean, he's willing to wear all the hats. Well done. He's if you winner. ever wondered, what would it be like? You know, there's a, there's a superhero movie coming out called Brightburn next month. And and essentially the premise of the film is what would, it happen, what would happen if Superman had come to Earth and was a bad person? Hmm. And they're making it into a horror film, right? If you've ever wondered if someone had handed, if, if like back in 1951, if someone had handed Ron Paul a capital of Das Kapital uh, instead of uh, Atlas Shrugged, how would things have turned out? Now we know. I think we now know. It would have looked like Bernie Sanders, right? Yeah. But I've got to say, now that we're going to do this every week for the foreseeable future, this bleep, you, you know, it's like it, it's like you're making me choose between my kids. You know, which one's my favorite here? There's so, it's such a rich environment. <laughs> Shannon, you're up. These segments always depress me because I can't even understand how Republicans lose to these yeah. people. Yeah. How we lose on issues. I know. It, it is it's astounding to me that we can't have nice thing things amidst these whack jobs. But I have to say, I was really surprised that you guys did not include Steve Cohen chomping down on KFC on the floor of the house. Oh yes. Because that took the cake for me. Number one, the first reason and, and the primary reason is because it just hold up, Shannon. Aaron, I need to know how's it feel to have Shannon go off the board on you? How's it feel, Aaron? Um, you know, fine because I'm a well-adjusted adult. No, <laughs> I deserve it. I'm going to let that stand. I'm going to let it stand. Go ahead, Shannon. I'm sorry. So no, but seriously, this if, if there's any way you you know that we're watching DC reality TV when they start to introduce the product placement. Reminded me of when Christine Blasey Ford was testifying at Capitol Hill, right? We all knew Kavanaugh was gonna be confirmed. Everybody knew that it could have happened in three days, but no, we had to have the show. We had to reinvigorate Lindsey Graham and raise him from the dead. So, but you know, it reminded me, you know, of her testimony with with the Coke bottle right there, prominently displayed. So that was, I think, the 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 craziest moment for me of the week. But you know, you you can't discount the the you know macabre and quite frankly disturbing actions of the Democrat Party in blocking the Born Alive Protection Act that was they were attempting to bring to the floor of the House, or uh, they, they were uh, attempting to bring for a vote, and uh, just the idea that, uh, you know, seeking to protect a baby that has been born alive, that is outside the womb, alive and breathing, is so distasteful to Democrats, really just illuminates the the dark nature of their souls. So I would say those those two were the top for me. Aaron, your favorites of your own work. Um, I would say... Smell your own farts, Aaron, go. Thank you. I do that every, every day, basically. I mean, I'm great, guys. I'm a millennial, and I'm a snowflake, and I'm special in my own ways. Um, probably my most favorite moment is that Alyssa Milano clip. And it's, it's favorite, not because I think it's good or just so crazy. I'm just disappointed in her. Um, because for somebody, a social justice warrior like her, one of the key pillars of social justice warriorism is um, making sure that cultures are appreciated and loved and that we have a diverse um, cast of, of, of cultures that are able to protect their own cultures. Because all cultures 
all cultures are equal. And for her to go on TV, on a nationally televised program like that, and apologize for Joe Biden culturally appropriating molesters, I, I just, guys, guys, I'm, I'm disappointed. I think I speak for all of us that um, the, the, the culture of inappropriate touching that Joe Biden has, has appropriated for himself now to be apologized for on national television, that is beyond the pale in my book. This is where you apologize to his mother again for what you've done to him? I'm sorry. <laughs> Mrs. McIntyre's watching. I, I warned you. I warned you. When, the day, when you thanked me for hiring him, I warned you that day, remember, that this, this could potentially happen. I, I warned you. I got to go with the Alyssa Milano clip uh, as well. Um, the Paul Begala thing, I, I, I'm with you. Points for honesty. At least we're just kind of keeping it real yeah. here. Uh, but But- what I love about the Alyssa Milano clip is, and we talked about this earlier in the week, is, and I'd like to get your take on this, Shannon, because you weren't here with us earlier this week when I mentioned this. That's the kind of clip, because we've seen this plenty of years. I've seen, I've seen plenty of people in Republican primaries, yeah, Dace, I'm standing on the wall with you. I'm there. Okay. Then some progressive charlatan like Tom Tillis, who is giving his own counter chicken speech today about Bo Jangles in the Senate, by the way. Uh, some hack Republican like that wins the primary and then like, yeah, you know, yeah. Same look on the face, same hesitancies in how they talk. Normally, though, the, the primary has to be over. And it's normally May of next year. When you see the activists on either side, like a, like a Melissa, Melissa Milano on the other side, when they make their peace with it, when they make their deal with the devil, right? And they start apologizing for things that last week they thought were really bad until their person couldn't win. And now they got to justify it in order to uh, rationalize getting their seat at the table. For her to already be doing this a year out, that I've never seen before. I've never seen those kinds of rationalizations this early in the process. We're, we're used to seeing those things after the primary is already over. Well, I, you know, I think that this is it's typical of, of Democrats. They, they stick together. And, and what was that one statement? They all agree on the same thing. I mean, that I, was I one think, of Joe Biden's clips. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, you know, they, they agree on everything. And so, well, you all know me. I, you know, I'm watching this Democrat primary, and I'm I'm comparing it to the Republican primary. And if you're to to look at, I mean, if if you're paying close attention, you would say that Joe Biden is the Jeb Bush of the 2015 Republican primary. He's got the war chest. He has the establishment support. You have the 27 candidates that are going to split the you know the base or you know the radical activists. And so Alyssa Milano is probably, if she's, you know, a savvy operator, and maybe she is, and she's paying attention to politics, she's saying to herself, well, he's going to be the guy anyway, mm -hmm. and this is why I would defend him. But the, the Democrats are complete hypocrites, especially the Me Too movement, all of these women. It's ridiculous. I was so irritated by that whole burkini cover shoot on, you know, Sports Illustrated with, you know, a model. Yes, imam, imams over all over Yemen agree. Burkers yeah. are sexy. They all agree. Yes. Yeah. Right. Because the skin tight bodysuit and the come hither pose and, and the sexy demeanor, that's really going to go out over well with Islamic clerics and, you know, Saudi Arabia and Iran. She would be arrested, imprisoned and given 50 to 100 lashes for even daring wear something like that. So it just it's it's all stupid. These women are stupid. And uh, I, I think probably with Milano, she's just saying he's probably going to win. The thing is, the big question for me, the big question for me, though, is will there be an emergence of a Donald Trump character? It, it's, it's Sanders. It's, Bernie Sanders is the Donald Trump. He's the one who has he has he's has the base outside of the Democratic Party. And 
right. and he can say whatever he wants. Normally, like Kamala Harris had to take that remark back last week. We talked about that last week and notice she has not been heard from since she took that back. It's like she's not a candidate in the last week. Right. Bernie Sanders isn't hurt by those sorts of things. Yeah. And in the Democrat Party, it's the old white men. They all get it's the right. most bizarre thing. Right. It's just crazy. Exit question on a scale of one to ten. One being Lindsey Graham's T level, ten being Elon Omar's anti Semitism. Rate this week's level of cray cray, Aaron. Uh, it's forever and always a five, but I will I will actually knock it down from last week. I, I said last week it's always going to be five. I'm going to knock it down to like a four point eight this okay. week. All right, thank you for your precise appreciate it. appreciate it, Todd. Six, Shannon. I'll give it a seven, but I do want to say one thing. I'm not just trying to be difficult when I don't answer your questions. I really didn't think that I, I didn't know that I had to choose from that pre-selected video reel that Aaron put No, it's out. okay. I just I just wanted somebody else to experience it for a change. Don't worry about <laughs> it. It's okay. It's more just because maybe I don't pay close enough. <laughs> Issue two, finally, the truth comes out. All I'll say to you, it'll all be a woman's choice. I'm not about to be as a male tell a woman what to do with her body. She has a right to make that decision herself. To rape the incest. Some kids are unwanted. So you kill them now, kill them later. You, you bring them in the world unwanted, unloved. You send them to the electric chair. So you kill them now, kill them later. Donald Trump Jr. condemned your comments. Do you have a response to the president's son? Hey, that's an honor. <laughs> Donald Trump Jr. did that. Thank God. Right on. That's definitely no right, because I don't know nothing he's been right on since he's been here. May, uh, that proved the right to make a decision about abortion. Him being born, that's proved the right to be, That's a very, very good defense I have for abortion right to him. Look, look at him and say, why don't you should have aborted him when he was born? He would have made that stupid statement, right? So, so his parents made a decision for him. Uh, that's a decision he made for him. So that's the first proof I got that mother of all had a right to have abortion. I had. They made a decision to have him, didn't they? They could have aborted him. But they may seem to keep him. Because he's evidently uh, retarded. Uh, crazy. Donald Trump's son, I know he's something wrong with that boy. I look at him and tell him something wrong with him. He said, hey, that's, a, that's the best defense I got for abortion right there, looking at him. State Representative John Rogers from the state of Alabama essentially giving you what is the heart of darkness at the heart of what's been abortion's been about from the very beginning. This is what it has really been about. This is the real truth. And if you go back and look at all of the original language of all of its progenitors, all of its creators, all of its uh, propagators, this is all of the language they used before the, the modern smart set over there realized that language doesn't play. And so they dressed it up with women's rights to choose and reproductive freedom and everything else. But this is the real truth is what you just watched right there. And what's fascinating Having been on both ends of interviews, uh, being interviewed numerous times in my career and interviewing numerous people, I think you would probably vouch for me on, on my analysis of what happens there. So what happens there when it's just a basic, yeah, we're pro-abortion and Donald Trump Jr. is an idiot, and the way that he's smiling and stuff, you know he's reacting to smiles he's getting from the reporter who's interviewing him, right? Sure. Yeah. Oh. Then he Amen. drops the word retarded. Notice how the entire tenor changes? Yeah. How he then starts looking around to see, does he have any positive feedback or not? Right. And everybody's uh, kind of just because you can probably guess everybody was laughing. It was when it was just let's just uh, 
you know, let's dunk on Donald Trump Jr. Yeah, yeah, say whatever you want about him, but whoa, 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 you can't drop the pure utilitarian language here. Here, you know, you can't do that. So, what's your reaction to seeing this video, Shannon? I'll start with you. I'm really glad that it happened, and I actually think it's a really good thing because it exposes what you just mentioned in your intro. There is the the dark and evil underbelly of progressivism and this push for this radical collective egalitarian society that that it, in in all honesty is a death cult. I mean, this is this is a a political movement that has completely rejected a natural god and have replaced that god with a worship of uh, man-made institutions. And what is the center of that philosophy is that human beings are of no inherent value. There is no value to life unless it is something useful for society. And when that life isn't useful when it becomes a burden to the collective or a burden to society. This is why Margaret Sanger was so intent on pulling out the human weeds, and she meant uh, black people, African Americans, Aboriginals, uh, people. You, you know, she had a lot to say about people who had, had mental problems, who were poor, who ha- were alcoholics, or had uh, you know other kind of afflictions. And the the point here is just usefulness. Usefulness. It's a sterile and sick. Uh, progression into a society where there's there's no value in human beings, and so we kill them at the at the beginning stages or at the end stages. This is why you have abortion and euthanasia. Mm-hmm. And what is really scary, what is really scary to me, is that we begin to emerge in this country into socialized medicine and expand Obamacare into Medicare for all, which is what the Republicans are fixing to do in the next couple of years. Um, you are really going to see more and more of the, this real brutal um, on both ends of of, uh, of life. And it, it was laid out by Ezekiel Emanuel, who crafted Obamacare, and it was his complete lives theory. And essentially, every human being is plotted on a bell a bell curve. And in the first, you know, um, you know, four to five to six years of life, you're not useful to society, so you don't get health care. And in the last, once you hit 65 and beyond, because you're not useful to society, you don't get health care. And they allocate health care according to each and every human being's ability to contribute work or capital. It's disgusting, but that is that's the center of their belief system. And that's why we have to oppose it. I'm glad that this happened because I think it did give people some insight into that. In other words, to each according to his abilities for each according to his needs. That's the communist mantra. That's exactly what, what, what Shannon just articulated for you. What do you think, Todd? Well, two things. If you had to craft the moral and psychological antithesis of a letter from a Birmingham jail, there it is. Mm. You did it. And you know why you did it? Because this is point two. As appalling as what that man said, equally appalling under the cryon, uh, uh, it says, uh, what, uh, abortion debate? Mm-hmm. Look at the sound. Listen to the sound and the people behind him. No one cares. No one's listening. Right. That's how monsters like this hide in plain sight because none of you care. You're debating life and death and you guys are like passing. It's like a mixer. Mm. So you get the frickin' culture you deserve. It was appalling. You know, I detest Nazi references because they're almost always lazy and low-lying fruit. But what you just described is, um, I wish I could remember the the name of the movie, 
but uh, some friends of mine recommended I, I watch this movie HBO made about 15 years ago about the gathering that determined the final solution. And Kenneth Branagh and a lot of actors that people would recognize from various shows nowadays are in this movie. And it's exceedingly well done. And, and the, the reason, the number one reason it's so well done is because of how casual this entire conversation yeah. is. I mean, they're like, hey, Kate, can, can you pass the crepes? I mean, I know. in between, they're literally, That's how it hey, happens. hey, all right, we're going to burn these Jews over here. Hey, hey. Can you, can you pass me a butter roll? And then what do you, how many Jews get to burn over there? I mean, it's just fascinating to see how they're just laying this out. And it's from the transcripts of the actual meeting. This, the, the language, the dialogue of the film is literally from the transcript of the actual meeting that was found. And it's fascinating to see just over normal conversation, the, the, the devilishness, they yes. are just casually game planning out there. And you can't, and the help is coming in and out. And no one can be bothered by what they're walking in and hearing. They're just like, yeah, whatever, man. That's It's Tuesday around here. Aaron. I saw somebody, when you originally commented on this a couple days ago, Steve, I saw somebody accuse you of setting up a straw man uh, for, uh, with, you know, using this guy's comments. And let's, you know, let's, let's give the benefit of the doubt to the baby killers as much as we can, shall we? Let's, let's say that is, let, let's, let's go down that rabbit hole for a little bit. What is the difference between... Kill them now or kill them later, and the motto up until a few years ago of Planned Parenthood: every child a wanted child. Mm-hmm. There's guys. There's no difference. Mm-hmm. It's the largest abort. I think still the largest abortion abortion provider, baby killing industry uh, provider in in the country. Still, every child a wanted child. That was their motto for the longest time: kill them now or kill them later. The biggest thing, guys, the biggest thing I think we need to learn from this is if your politician, your favorite politician, your favorite Republican who who calls himself or herself pro-life, if they are not using language to force them, to force the other side, to force the pro-aborts to say what this guy said, they're doing it wrong and they don't deserve your vote because there is absolutely no, absolutely no defense at all that they can they can't paint it if they if you call them executing a child there's no way they if you call it um you want to get rid of uh you know you want to get rid of uh mentally challenged you want to get rid of uh down syndrome there they can't say no because every child wanted now child it'll eventually devolve to kill them now or kill them later you have to press your advantage on this. And if you if your favorite politician is not using that language, I don't care who he or she is, um, they they do not deserve the time of day. You know, a few years ago when we were having the debate in the pro-life movement about which process, which which strategy to pursue, continue with incrementalism, uh, go with more of a principled incrementalism, like a heartbeat bill, for example, go for the whole enchilada uh, with with a with establishing when does personhood begin as the language of the of the Fifth Amendment in the Bill of Rights asserts. And and when we were having those debates, and I certainly played my role in those debates, but I, I warned that we were, if we don't make a decision and push with one of these strategies now. The next stage we're going to go to is there is the other side is going to say, yeah, we know it's alive and we don't care. That's where we are. And we have, I think we are now, we're arriving at that stage. And, and when you, when you reach that stage, that, that essentially means the debate is over. With with the the conscience is seared. No debate will, will be had. It's just simply has to be defeated. 
it has to be ended. Open wars upon you. Yeah, yeah. You wish they're, it they're, or not. It's defeater. It's defeater, or the killing continues. There's not a middle ground. When they reach the point, they're like, "Yeah, we know it," and we're like, "We're totally okay with it," and we prayed about it. And we feel real good about where we're at right now. Exit question: If you had one word to summarize this video, what would it be, Todd? Madness. Shannon. Evil. Aaron. Hell. Those are all pretty good and also pretty accurate. All right, so when we come back here uh, in, in a, after the break, we've got two topics left on the Dace Group. Next topic we're going to get to is, I, I, I had to read it. I didn't believe it was true. It, it is. Because it, it, it reads like if we were sitting around constructing uh, straw men of the other side that we just needed to, it was a slow news day. Let's create this straw man of the other side so we can riff off of them for two hours and kill off a show. It, it reads like a cliched stereotype, except it's true. A poll is out this week that shows among registered Democrats, their number one issue is global warming. Okay, number one issue. We're going to discuss that and we'll have a little fun kicker uh, as well coming up too. So stay tuned right here, live and on demand on The Blaze. It's the Dace Group here on the Steve Dace Show. Back after this. <laughs> All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, live and on demand on The Blaze. If you're one of millions of Americans that have just come to the conclusion, I, I just, uh, chronic pain, it's just, it's just my way. I'm just going to have to live with it. Uh, I'm going to keep spending money on, you know, pain relief creams, uh, all these other things we do to get over the chronic pain. Um, let me provide you an option maybe you haven't previously considered because there's a product called Relief Factor that so many people here at The Blaze have seen outrageously good results with. And I've been using it uh, for about the last two weeks. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it through the weekend before I share my own story. I'm just going to say for now, uh, I've definitely noticed um, some positive differences, but we'll talk about that to, later this week because I, I took it to my doctor too, specifically after what happened to me uh, last week with the heart palpitations. So I'm like having everything checked now uh, before I put it in uh, my body. But uh, it's it's a it's 100 drug free, but it's created by people who prescribe drugs. It, it's physician created. Uh, it's got only really four key ingredients. And they're really there to help your body win the fight against inflammation because it's the inflammation that's causing the chronic pain, right? Inflammation is not the same as an injury, right? There, there is not, you can't just simply make a, you know, a, a, a knee ligament tear go away, all right? That, that's an injury. What we're talking about here is the inflammation that we get that creates chronic pain. And that's what Relief Factor was devised to fight back against. Now they're offering a starter pack right now. It's for three weeks. It's a dollar a day. So it costs you about 20 bucks. And the vast majority of people who try this starter pack end up staying on the product uh, on a regular basis because of the results they see in those three weeks. If you want to give it a shot, what do you have to lose except maybe the pain? Relieffactor.com is the website. That's relieffactor.com. Let's get back to the day's group, our weekly look at the week that was. Let's get to issue three. The end is nigh. The American left has been on the warpath as far as global warming goes for decades now. Most recently, millennials and people and, you know, Gen Z and all these folks that come after us are looking up and we're like, the world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change. And your biggest issue is 
your your biggest issue is how are we going to pay for it? Buildings got built that should never have been built to begin with if we were thinking about the needs of our earth. Some of them you can see right behind us in the background. And so we're going to introduce legislation to ban the glass and steel skyscrapers that have contributed so much to global warming. I want to make sure that those who work in the oil and gas industry, uh, those who work in the fossil fuel industry are brought along as partners to make sure that we make this transition in the 10 years that we have left to us as the science and scientists tell us. But Democrat voters don't really think the end is nigh, do they? No, it's just Chuck Testa. A new poll from CNN found that 82% of likely Democrat voters listed global warming as the number one issue for them. I got nothing. Just to put that in perspective, that's seven points higher than universal health care, which has been like the number one, you know, other than the uh, culture killing issues. You know, you know, you know we got to promote uh, immorality and, and child killing. Th- those are the civil sacraments of the spirit of age progressivism. But as a party, the Democratic Party's number one goal going back to the Great Society in the mid 60s was was universal health care. And, and now global warming is we, we refuse to call climate change on this show is seven points ahead of that in this poll. And to even put this in further perspective, impeaching Donald Trump is the number one priority of 43% of Democrats. Meaning they're more concerned, they're twice as much concerned about global warming than they are Donald Trump. Think about that. I want to share with you, by the way, an article from the Associated Press. This is um, from the AP. A senior UN environmental official says entire nations would be wiped off the face of the earth by rising sea levels, if the trend is not reversed in the next decade, coastal flooding and crop failures would create an exodus of echo refugees, threatening political chaos, said Noel Brown, director of the New York office of the UN Environment Program, or UNEP. That article is from June 30th, 1989. Aaron, when were you born? 93. That article's from June 30th, 1989. Like, that's like a week after the Berlin Wall fell, I think, or something. Yeah. 1989. So, yeah. There's that. Let's get to the conversation, shall we? First question, you know, we've talked for years about how spirit of the age progressivism isn't a political ideology, but a religion. The heresy, if you will, that is competing with Christianity for prominence in the culture today. Therefore, is the left's obsession with this issue just the fact that every religion needs an apocalypse? Every religion needs an apocalyptic story. Is that what's really driving this? It's because it's it's the same fervor as color-coded rapture chart guy who comes up to me in the Charlotte airport to convince me of his particular interpretation of the book of Revelations. And yes, that happened once. Is this is just this their apocalyptic story, Todd? Yeah, to some degree, uh, they clearly have a faith. Now, uh, the three uh, Christian uh, transcendentals: faith, hope, and love. Uh, they faith is is what we believe. Uh, we can turn it's outlined in a creed. It is it is a statement. Hope is the living out of that faith when it's not obvious that it's going to come through. Mm-hmm. Their hope is, is, is despair. 
It's a bizarre world. It is the reverse. So that heightened despair, that destruction, is the playing out of their faith. So, Sounds very 666-y. Well, that's what it is. That's why. Okay. Shannon, what do you think? What's driving this? You know, I've always thought that, and I've always believed this, and, and this is biblical as well, but that human beings, we were built in the image of God, and we were built to worship. It, it is ingrained in us as a species, as as human beings built in the image of God. And when you, so so if you reject a natural God, and that really is progressivism, right? It is the the height of pride, the belief that that men can be God-like, that we can create peace and harmony in a perfect utopia here on earth without God. That's really the, the essence of what progressivism is. So when you omit that natural God and you omit the worship of a natural God, you have to replace it with something. And for the progressive, that is nature. And it struck me, I went into my, my children's elementary school five or six years ago when we first started sending the kids and, and emblazoned across the hall was uh, Love Mother Earth. Hmm. And there was a big, you know, uh, globe. And, and what you're seeing here, the reason you're seeing the numbers that you're seeing is because of this massive amount of indoctrination that is happening in public schools. If I were to kind of break it down um, for the progressive, nature is their God. Public schools are their church. Mm-hmm. Meditation is their prayer, and you're seeing that throughout uh, public schools right now. And abortion and euthanasia and that human sacrifice, that's their sacrament. So th- it's a full-on religion. People don't realize how embedded this philosophy of global warming, climate change, earth worship is embedded in the public schools. And this is why it's so important. I, this is why I beg Republicans and conservatives, stop talking about college campuses. Stop talking about liberal media. Y'all need to get into kindergarten because this is where they're building this army. Um, even STEM, science, technology, engineering, math, that curriculum that Republicans love so much and everybody talks about. Um, if you look at some of the work by Lynn Taylor, the Common Core Diva, who's an expert in this, it is riddled with with climate change propaganda. This is being embedded in the history books. It's being embedded, embedded in math. The, 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 I mean, it comes home from school every day. So, this, I mean, this is their religion, and you're right, the, the ultimate end times, the apocalypse, they need fear to drive the orthodoxy. They need fear to, to, to keep that dogma in place. And so 10 years, you're right. I mean, the t- Time magazine had the coming ice age, I believe, in 1968 or in the 1970s. So, uh, yeah, th- this is a religion. It is faith, and, and you need just as much faith to believe in their brand that you do, than you do to, need it, to believe in Christianity. It, it's how a Chuck Todd at NBC justifies saying, I'm going to do a show on this topic, and we're not going to put anybody on here who doubts it. It's the same reason, for example, if, you know, uh, my buddy Jerry Johnson, who runs National Religious Broadcasters, they have a channel, um, uh, you know, on a lot of cable systems and uh, uh, satellite systems. It's the same reason they wouldn't put on NRB channel uh, a a bunch of atheists, right? Yeah. I mean, it's an explicitly Christian apologetics channel. The goal of the channel is to defend and advance uh, and articulate the Christian religion. So they're not going to have a show, you're not going to have atheists come on there and scoff and scorn at it, right? But but the difference is NRB acknowledges the fact that it is explicitly pushing a particular religious viewpoint. What's dangerous about what the left is doing is not that it's pushing an alternative religious viewpoint. Okay, that's not the danger. 
All right, let, you let the line out of its cage, it defends itself just fine. Christianity crushes every argument it's ever been confronted against uh, for 2,000 years. The difference here is they are letting, they're airing a, a rival religion while claiming that they have the market cornered on that very subject matter at the exact same time while claiming to be unbiased. All right, that's, that's the difference. What do you think, Aaron? Uh, I'm surprised nobody's made this analogy yet. Uh, it is basically, it, it, is a, it is a religion, but more than that, it's, it's the party of Thanos now. That's basically what they're telling us. The end is coming, and it's our fault, so we have to make whatever sacrifice we have to make hmm. in order to prevent certain doom, and we are willing to do that because we're the people we've been waiting for. We are inevitable. Sorry for the spoiler. We are inevitable. We, we will do this. We will do whatever we need to to save the planet from itself, to save the universe, you know, save the universe from itself. That's essentially what they're telling us. It's, it is um, a religion. Yes, we can go into those, those analogies, but it is just a, another carrying out of the very original uh, lie, the, the very original sin. Well, I, I won't put that theological term. The original lie, ye be like God. That's basically what this is. Anybody, anybody who thinks realistically that any amount of human humans or government can make a dent, a sizable dent, in a planetary climate for good or evil, uh, or for good, you know, say say it's it is man made. Anybody, they really do think that collectively we are God. That's that's basically that is about as simple I think as it gets for this issue. You know, I used to ask when we used to, when this was still a debatable topic, I used to bring people on my early days at WHO. I've brought a couple of people on that were advocates of this. And I always asked them the same question. And I thought of it again when Aaron was talking, are you a committed Darwinist? And of course they would all say yes. And then I would ask them, then why do you care about this issue? If indeed this is anthropomorphic, if indeed this is human behavior is causing the habitat to make the, uh, the ecosystem less hospitable to human civilization, that's natural selection, baby. That's what we get. We did this to ourselves. It's time for the, who knows what, the, what, what, what new phylum will emerge at the top of the, the food chain. It's the, it's the era of the salamander. Who knows what will next evolve? Why, are you, why do you care? Why, why, why does this bother you? I mean, they, they simultaneously say human life is not sacred, and yet we literally have to change everything that we're going to do. Otherwise, it's going to go out in 10 years. Choose one. Choose one. Exit question. If the percentage of Americans in the 2020 election polls who say their primary issue was climate change were an ACDC song, which ACDC song would it be? A, whole lot of Rosie. B, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. Or C, rock and roll ain't noise pollution. You know, I had to put that in there with the topic. Go ahead. Todd. C. That's C. why I'm taking it. What do you think, Shannon? I'll take C. Aaron? Yep. C. Hey, if you're thinking of replacing your carpets uh, this spring with spring cleaning upon us before you make that expensive purchase, uh, check out our friends at Genesis 950 because one of the leading causes for uh, carpet replacement, pet stains and odors, and that's where Genesis 950 comes in. It's an amazing pet stain remover. It's got an antibacterial component that removes pet stains and odors from carpets, but gets down into the padding as well, which is really where those odors are located. And it can be used in carpet cleaning machines, and it's so green that 
that uh, it's safe for your family and pets too. In fact, you can use this to clean your entire house, bathrooms, uh, kitchen countertops, even the nice stuff, the, the granite, the quartz, even the dirty stuff, the oil and grease stains on your garage floor. Uh, you can use it for your entire home. Give Genesis 950 a try though, before you make that expensive purchase to replace the carpeting, uh, go to the website. Genesis950.com. That's the website. Genesis950.com. And if you use uh, the promo code Blaze when you go uh, to check out, they'll give you a discount. They'll throw in a spray bottle too, but you really want that discount at Genesis950.com. Let's get to issue four quickly TV Goats. Last weekend's episode of Game of Thrones had everybody talking because apparently it featured Gandalf literally throwing Frodo into a pack of Death Eaters who were then hacked to bits by Kylo Ren before the USS Enterprise rolled in to save the day. And it's really kicked off the debate about what is the best TV episode of all time. So I thought for a nice fun kicker, let's have some fun with this. Um, If you had a TV episode or episodes that came to mind that you thought were the best of all time, what would they be, Todd? Go. Uh, it's not hard. And I loved Lost and Battlestar Galactica. They were perfect endings, but the greatest of all time, without dispute, is MASH, Goodbye, Farewell, Amen. I, is it still the highest rated TV I think episode so. ever? It's And it's outstanding what do you television. Think, what do you think? It's not bad for the guy that asked me yesterday. You, you punked me. Hey, can I do a top five? So I got home after I ripped you. I'm like, you know, I'll go ahead and do a top five too. And then you come back and you drop one on me. Nice. We're running out of time. I'm, right. I'm listening, boss. Shannon, go. I know this is totally lame, but Ross and Rachel, when they embrace, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sorry. I know I'm not, a, I'm not a TV buff, but I mean, emotions. I have emotions when I think about that scene. I appreciate it. Shannon, honesty. it's okay to be, to be a girl. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. What do you think, Aaron? Uh, my fav- my my top episode for sure. I, I thought about some moments from Lost, uh, but I-, I just thought Lost had a lot of good moments, not necessarily great episodes. So the first one that actually popped into my mind was the finale of Breaking Bad. As depressing as that show is, it was yeah. it was just perfect, especially the very end, Baby Blue by Badfinger, the song the, that, that ends the whole thing. It was like that song back in the 70s or 80s, whenever it came out, was was made for that moment in that show. And that entire episode is just just wrapped everything up, I think, perfectly. All right. So since Todd punked me, I did come up with a top five and I decided I mean, I thought about this for like a half hour yesterday. And then I thought, you know what? Nope. I bet you did. I'm going to just go with the first, the, ne- the first five that come to mind, okay? And that's what I wrote down. And it's things that I have mentioned or quoted or talked about that kind of left an imprint on me. So, because you could, ha- there's 10,000 possible answers to this question, right? So I have the final episode of Star Trek, The Next Generation, All Good Things is my number one. I think it is the best final episode hmm. of any show of all time. Uh, number two, I have Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There you go, Shannon, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, the prom... This is the prom episode. It's the one where they have ignored her heroic exploits for years because they don't want to admit they're on a hell mouth. And then finally, when she saves everybody at the end of high school at the prom, they finally acknowledge that she's the hero and they give her a medal for it. I've loved that episode. Number three, I've got Seinfeld, the soup Nazi. Okay. Number four, I have Battlestar Galactica, the captain's hand, which is the most pro-life television episode I ever, I've ever seen. And this is where Adama looks at his feminist uh, president and says, hey, I really don't care about your feminist ideals. We're going extinct here and we need babies. So you need to ban abortion. And she does. Uh, and th- then number five, I have Lost's final episode. Although 
I actually agree with Aaron. It's still my number one all-time television show, but I do think it ha- it's it, it's better for individual moments than singular episodes. I, I tend to agree with that. All right, predictions. Shannon, go. I think that MyPillow will be the next uh, uh, product placement sponsor for the Bill Barr hearings because they are getting, as we embark upon um, the investigation, into the investigation, into the investigation, it's a snooze fest, so I'm going to need my pillow. Hey, I've got one of those, by the way. They work. I really? sleep really good on that thing. Yeah. And it doesn't doesn't deflate or anything on you. I mean, yeah, I don't know the guy at all. I don't get paid for this, but I have one. They work. Here, Todd, go ahead. Uh, two things. Uh, Brie Larson will prove to be too much and will be fired. And mm. uh, Cersei Lannister will keep the throne. Aaron. Ooh. Sorry, Steve. So you chose the most nihilistic conclusion possible, yes. basically? All right, Aaron. I'm, I'm sorry. I keep coming over the top rope on you. But my prediction is, no matter what prediction I make, it's going to be called lame by Steve. That's a good prediction. I'm going to predict no matter what Marvel does next, it will not involve a mass confrontation with a new big bad to replace Thanos. That's my prediction. Shannon, have a great weekend. Good to see you, okay? Thank you. You're welcome. We'll be back with Hour 2 here on The Blaze. Keep it right here. with hour two live and on demand but we're really not that much in demand here on the blaze i'm steve he's todd that that's aaron over there 888-933-93 is the number 888-933-93 steve steve is how you can email the program that's d-e-a-c-e like us on facebook follow us on twitter at steve dace show and we'll be getting to some of the feedback that you've sent to us recently here momentarily by the way if you are listening to us today via a podcast uh, regardless of which podcast platform you prefer, if they give you the option of leaving us a five-star review, we'd appreciate you uh, if you did that for us. Thousands of you have done that for us already. And uh, thank you to all of you. The more of you, though, that keep doing that, the more opportunity we have to find people just like you so we can make them every bit as miserable listening to us as you are right now. Um, speaking of miser- miserable, uh, imagine being evicted from your own home uh, for not paying home equity loans you never actually took out. That's exactly what happened recently to a Portland couple. And any of us who own a home could be the next victim. It's a crime called home title fraud. You know, I didn't know what this was a year ago. Then when they showed me, I was amazed how how close they came. I mean, I, I it's my signature. I know I didn't sign anything. And their forgery looked really, really good. And when this happens to you, the consequences can be devastating. Home titles and mortgages are kept online nowadays. Criminals hunt for them. Uh, They forge your name and then take your name off of the home's title and liquidate the equity. That's what they really want. Uh, And you won't know about it until the late payment notice has arrived. Identity theft protections, banks, insurances won't protect you. But for just pennies a day, Home Title Lock will. They'll put a virtual barrier around your home's title, mortgage, and equity. This is the most valuable investment most Americans will ever have. If you want to rely on Home Title Lock for your protection of your home, or if you just want to check it out and see, hey, has my home's title been targeted, tampered with? You can actually find that out for free today at HomeTitleLock.com. That's what's called a title scan and report. That's normally $100, but it's free today for you here on The Blaze. If you go to home title lock, all one word, home title lock.com. So let's get to some feedback Friday. And I want to do this in a way, let's just say right now, because I've gotten several notes from some of you 
one of them really stuck with me yesterday from, I think her name is Lori. And she's like, I'm a, I keep trying to get to this movie when I'm free. It's sold out. I'm a busy mama. Will you guys please stop dropping spoilers? Okay. So I want us to have this conversation without dropping any more spoilers. Just in case we can't do it. We're giving you a spoiler alert right now. I'm confident though that we can. But just in case we can't. Spoiler alert. Because I got a fascinating email about our worldview conversation about Avengers Endgame I want us to share and discuss, okay? Cool. So spoiler alert in three, two, one. All right, now, all three of us are going to do our best not to do any more spoilers, but you have been warned just in case something slips, okay? Uh, This is an email from uh, one of our listeners named Josh. On uh, Tuesday's show, you admitted you have no idea what the Russo brothers, uh, who are responsible for the Avengers uh, Endgame film, you have no idea what the brothers believe and that all of the various uh, conservative and Christian themes you see in Infinity Wars and Endgame could just very well be an accident. Uh, In a recent interview, which uh, Josh linked, so I checked it out for myself, these are accurate quotes from the interview, Joe Russo offered us a window into his worldview. Quote, representation. That's the intersectionality language representation is really important it was important to us as we did four of these films we wanted a gay character somewhere in them we felt it was important that one of us play him to ensure the integrity and show it is so important to the filmmakers that one of us is representing that it is a perfect time because one of the things that is compelling about the marvel universe moving forward is its focus on diversity that's a direct quote from joe russo one of the filmmakers and um I won't give any spoilers from the film. We vowed not to do that, okay? The ins- this insight, Josh writes, seems to pour cold water on notions of Thanos being an intentional embodiment of Margaret Sanger and Malthusian ethics or Tony Stark or anybody else uh, in the films being any kind of Christian allegory. Personally, I'd be shocked if the Russo brothers, the writers, or any of the actors involved in the films actually know or understand what Malthusian ethics entails, guessing if they're familiar with Margaret Sanger, they probably hold her in more veneration than contempt. You've repeatedly said on your program the true meaning of a work of art is determined by the author and not the audience. While books, movies, television programs, and songs can be useful to illustrate a point, think as conservatives and Christians, we need to be careful not to project our own worldview and values into art that cre- that's created with very different intentions and meaning. George R.R. R. Martin, for example, has publicly stated that uh, the books behind Game of Thrones are allegories exploring the dangers of climate change. Nonetheless, many prominent conservative commentators would have us believe Game of Thrones, along with uh, its various softcore pornography, gratuitous bloodshed, uh, albino male nudity, exists solely to teach us valuable lessons about the pitfalls of socialism, the importance of low corporate tax rates, and limited government. When we insist that movies or shows reinforce our worldview, despite even protests and objections from the creators, aren't we engaging in the same postmodern foolishness that we accuse Marxists? at Marxist academics of is what you said any less absurd than Liam, Liam Neeson insisting on a secular interpretation of Aslan. That's a really good email, Josh. A couple of things we've never said on this show that it was that Thanos is an intentional uh, um, Malthusian ethics or um, Margaret Sanger allegory. We've never said that. I think one of the bit, one of the, um, 
most used words when we've had these worldview conversations about certain films, not just Avengers, is unintentional. Yeah. Unintentional, unintentional. Right. Actually. Right. So, for example, assuming you've seen the movies, and we're not, we're going to do our best not to have any other spoilers on the show, okay? You never pointed out to me that I got anything in the plot wrong of what occurred. I never changed what occurred in the story. I never changed that. Okay. You know why? Because I didn't. What we discussed on Tuesday in the spoiler show, and if you missed it, you can go back and get the podcast today. But we discussed, men, did we not discuss the things that actually occurred in the movies? Yeah. The, 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 these are the events that actually occurred in the films that we characterized. Uh, now, now, the events themselves took place, right? Yes. Okay. So therefore, um, the only thing up for debate is our characterization of them. We don't believe, or we have no idea. That's why you even said at the beginning of your email, I don't know what they believe. I don't. But um, we also said in that conversation, they may not even be aware of what it is they're doing, um, but they're borrowing themes that are, that are universal, that, that touch the soul of the human condition because we're created in the likeness and image of God. I agree that ultimately the author determines what his content means. Do you know who is the author of All Life is Sacred? Do you know who is the author of We Leave 99 Behind to Find the One Lost Sheep? Do you know who is the author of Love Knows No Greater, no, Love Knows no greater Man Than This Than a Man Would Lay Down His Life for His Friends? Who is the author of those themes? Is it dog spelled backwards? Yes. He is the author. I'm, I agree with you, Josh. Totally agree with you. Totally agree that the author determines what his content means. So you can borrow the author. And if the Russos don't intend for this to be the case, then either they did this by accident, they're ignorant, or they're plagiarists. But the themes that they touched on, indeed, I agree that the author determines what his content means. Okay. But that's the content of these movies. That's not in dispute. Where those themes come from, that's not in dispute. Whether the Russos understand that, believe that, or attempting to co-opt them is in dispute. And actually, I think your criticism and argumentation should go to the Russos. You should be asking them, hey, do you understand the source material for the themes that you're tapping into? Do you understand where the morality comes from for the source material that you're tapping into? Do you understand that? I don't have any conflict at all. I didn't misstate anything. If, if there's a conflict here between the source material and the author and what the Russos are doing, it's the Russos that have to rectify that. Not me. I'm the one that I'm the one train. I, I received the message they gave us. I, I'm, I gave you all three of us gave you accurately. What were the plot points of the film? What were the decision points of those plot points? If the Russos choose to ignore where the source of such themes come from, if they choose to co-opt them, then that is the Russos' problem, Aaron, not mine. Yeah, that's correct. And um, Josh, that is a really, Josh is his name, correct? Yes. Uh, it is a really well-written email. And this is going to sound really snotty. I, I, I don't know how to make this point without saying this as well. But I, I mean, imagine a story of, I don't know, a brother getting thrown into a pit, uh, eventually being sold into slavery. And then amidst that slavery, he rises up to be a prominent member, a prominent ruler in a great nation, one of the greatest nations of his time. And his brothers 
who uh, sold him. Um, they eventually have to come begging back, looking for food because of a famine in their land. I think again, is that is that is that one of those instances where we should be really, really, um, I don't know, hesitant to say I don't know what God or what men intended for harm God used for good. I mean, why can't why what is keeping us from redeeming things that men like the Russo brothers meant for evil, and pointing out no, actually. That's our story. You're you're just telling our story. I think that's I think that's what we try to do. Um, and we'd had a conversation. I think it was last week on Feedback Friday about you know we don't need to make everything a direct one to one allegory um, when when we when it comes to storytelling. That's that's true. Not not everything needs to be a direct one to one allegory. But when it comes to all of these themes, as Steve just so adeptly pointed out, the Russo brothers aren't. Those don't belong to him or to, to them. Those don't belong to um, to to the people who put together this amazing franchise of films. They don't belong to them. It belongs to the author of um, the author of all life, the author of our salvation. If you're a Christian, um, those those belong, and, and by extension, those belong to us as well. We have to redeem some of these things, and even if it is done unintentionally. By those, by the um, creators of these stories, I think it is actually incumbent upon us to point out who they actually belong to, who those stories actually belong to. Furthermore, I, we absolutely do have to take the Russos or any other authors' uh, viewpoints, motivations uh, at face value, and not lie to ourselves. Amen to that. But I guarantee you, the Russos right now—they are retconning their own motivations. Just as they don't believe for a second, it is. That what they said about diversity was one of their prime not diversity what they representation mm-hmm. going into it in their first film of this was their primary nope they're lying to you just as J.R. Martin and, and uh, global warming they're lying to you when uh, J.K. Rowling is talking about the torrid love affair then that's a big nope she wasn't thinking about that all at the beginning uh, they are lying to you uh, and you know how we know that because if they really followed through on those all of these products would have turned out to be just like the wrinkle in time mm-hmm. they were honest or the new Harry Potter yeah. films that and no, like, one no, one, no one is because watching they're them. bad yeah. you're, you're yeah. lying you actually went with something that you knew was fundamentally timeless, something once in your life you aspired to because they were told so well, mm-hmm. and the best, the better angels of your nature actually went out, and now you're just lying to us. And I'm sure they found, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm sure they found ways to begin to sneak some of those things into the movie, right? Because the worst angels of our nature are always yes, there as well. And, and, right. and, but notice that they're also all at the very beginning of the film. Where the film soars, where the film soars is when it touches on the themes we discussed on Tuesday. You go see the movie for yourself. What we told you on Tuesday is what happens. I mean, you can, you you know, we can do whatever you want, Bubba Gump. We can fry it, saute it, boil it, broil it. It's a shrimp. It's what it is. Okay? That's, that was the story. They may not know what it is they're articulating. They may not acknowledge it. They may seek to bastardize it. And the Liam Neeson comparison doesn't work either because Liam Neeson was starring as Aslan in an intentional allegory. It's an intentional. The story was written with the intent of communicating Christianity to the next generation. It was written with that intention. Okay? So 
those are those things aren't equivalent either. Um, but I agree with your skepticism. I just think I think Joel, it's misplaced. You seem to think, and I don't know if you've even seen the movie. I don't. I don't know. Um, because if you if you haven't, go and see it, and then go listen to our show again on Tuesday, and you tell me if we misrepresented the events that unfolded, because we didn't. So therefore, the argument then is to go back to people like the Russos and say, hey, where do you think where do you get off borrowing these themes and then calling them blank? And where did where, where you know where did you get off of these no, of this notion and calling it blank? For example, with Thanos. Now, this isn't a spoiler because this is all we talked about last year with Avengers Infinity War. Now, this, this movie's more than a year old, okay? So no spoiler alert needed here. I told you last year, because most of you are not comic book readers, the Russo brothers adapted the story of Thanos. They changed it. The reason in the comic books that Thanos goes for the Infinity Gauntlet and decides to snap his fingers. There is he, he doesn't have any misguided moral means here. He's trying to impress a chick. In the Marvel Universe, death is, a, is, a, is, an, is an incarnate figure and is basically depicted as a female demon. He's in love with her. And so he wants to, he wants to impress her. So, you know, he's like, What's the highest I could hit that bell at the carnival that would really impress this chick? Well, Ch- her name's Death. Bell. Yeah. yeah, her name's Death. So let's create the greatest mass extinction event of all time. That's his motivation. There aren't any long speeches about, and then I'm going to sit down and, uh, you know, and rest upon a thankful universe. This isn't a philosophical exercise. This is done because he's just a pure fiend and he is going after. Um, uh, the affections of a woman named Death. That's why he does this. That's his core motivation. Why did they change this in the movie? Why didn't they just go with that? Why did they choose to have these deep philosophical conversations? In all, you know, there. It, this is a scene from Endgame, but it's not a spoiler that pertains to anything that matters. There's a moment in the movie where Captain America says to Black Widow, well, hey, and all these people are gone. There's less pollution. So we're at least seeing whales in the Hudson Bay. We haven't seen that in years, you know? And she looks at him and says, if you, if you, if you try to put a positive spin on billions of living beings being eradicated, I'm going to throw my peanut butter sandwich at you. It's panned. They, this notion that, well, hey, the, that we cut down on the surplus population. There's, you, we've all seen the scene from the trailer where the boats are all at the harbor. That's where this takes place in the film. We've all, we cut down on it. The world's better off without all these people. We're flourishing. There's less, popu- there's less population, far less pollution. Captain America goes there for 30 seconds in this movie and gets rhetorically throat punched. And it's never brought up ever again. I don't know why the Russos wrote this stuff. I'm not the Russos. So who, ha- who needs to answer for, wh- for, for the mixed messages that the Russos seem to be sending? Who needs to answer for that, me or them? Clearly Steve Dace. Clearly Steve Dace does, yes. I'll tell you what. You pay me the same damn money the Russos are making, I'll answer any cotton-picking question you got for as long as you'd like, okay? Pay me their money, and you can ask me all your questions. But I didn't, I didn't, I'm not confusing these themes. The Russos are. So they're the ones that have to answer for them. And, you know, there's a line in one of, in the one great movie, the next generation crew made 
first contact. And Picard looks at uh, this 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 woman from the past, Alfred Woodard's character, Alfred Woodard's character, and he says they they assimilate cultures, we fall back. They assimilate whole planets, and we fall back. No more. The line must be drawn here. I'm done. I'm done. I've been done for a long time. But if we're now at the stage that they're going to borrow our themes and slap their label on it, hell to the no. Hell to the no. And we can't touch it because they said no. what their no no, motivations no, no. are. No, 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 no. We are not going to permit any more cultural thieving or hijackings on this program. So for Josh or anybody else, if you're looking at what the Russos are saying in these interviews, they believe. And then you're like, well, this doesn't jive with what you guys are saying is going on in these stories. Unless we're misrepresenting what the plot line is, and we're not, we're not the ones in conflict. They are. They are. And it just goes to show you how cultic the left is. The people at Vox and all these other sites haven't gone back to the Russo brothers and said, hey, you know, why is Margaret Sanger the villain of your movie? That doesn't make any sense. But we're not the ones who have to justify that. They are. Any further comments on this? I just want to say my favorite Steve Dace quality is when you're done. When, when you're not done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you're done, <laughs> giddy up. Uh, Jorge Fernandez in Weston, Florida writes, One thing to keep in mind about the politics of the Venezuela story is many of their inhabitants have fled the country to Florida. Similar to what happened with, uh, the, with, with Cuba decades before. Those folks are immigrating to America with full knowledge of what Maduro, Chavez, and socialism does to a country. And Florida, of course, is a key swing state. That is an, that is an angle to this we haven't previously discussed. Your thoughts, Todd? Uh, trust but verify. You know, that, that has happened. Uh, but, you know, the rawness of that experience can rub off in pretty quick in an election cycle or two once Santa Claus comes to town and starts giving you free stuff. So oh, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate that. But that's, but that's, yeah. an, but again, we're not having the 2024 election right now. We're not having the 2028 election. Which one are we having? Yeah, but these guys aren't going to be voters. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Unintended humor. <laughs> Is always the best. Unintended humor is always it's, the best. It, I was like reaching as it was even. Yeah. Come back, Shane. <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> I mean, just flat out adorable what you almost asserted there. Beautiful. Loved it. Aaron. Uh, I would like to see some numbers, some hard numbers behind that. Because uh, it sounds like it's just an anecdotal. Um, that would be cool. Uh, we have had the conversation before about the theology of Latin America. Um, how... It's basically it's basically cross pollinating, I guess, up here as well in a lot of ways. Where morally or socially conservative, fiscally, you know, all the all the grift you can um, or grist you can uh, completely, you know, get away with uh, getting off of the government. So I'm not quite as optimistic, I would say, if that is true. What the emailer said. Um, so I'm, I would just say overall, I wouldn't be quite as optimistic. You know, we have seen this, though, in Europe, for example. The Eastern European countries have been far more conservative, true, far more capitalistic, far less willing to go along with what's happening in Western Europe because 
there's still plenty of people alive that it's fresh in their memory what it was like uh you know to live under Khrushchev Ceausescu um you know to watch Lekwalesa getting led away in chains and every, and they they remember all of that and um the difference between what's happened in Cuba and Venezuela cuz we have talked about immigration in the past about there's this notion this idealistic notion why not give amnesty to these people from these largely catholic countries they have uh you know some form of 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 judeo christian agreement with us they believe in family although right we've heard some of that yeah. right and then all of the F- now in fairness the republican party those people still might actually be in fact they are more socially conservative than the republican party i mean the republican party is literally there's like an answer right in front of it right in front of their face how do we get more minority voters how do we and they look around for everything and the answer right in front of their face is to pick the issues you have in common with minorities except those are the issues that the republican party hates the most cuz the issues they have in common with the minorities are the social ones okay um Black Americans tend to be more pro-life, more pro-marriage minorities by of almost every stripe do in survey polls than white Americans, actually. So the one issue sl- slate that the Republican Party, in its platform anyway, has in common with the voters it wants to do outreach to is the issue sl- slate it's the most ashamed of. So it will never go there. So they look, they look so th- like it's right in front of their face and they keep looking all around Try the, the well, you know, this crony capitalism bill, you know, the, 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 and they can't, they, they, get, they gain no foothold at all. Because they refuse to act on where there's the most common ground. The problem that we have seen, though, because I used to buy into this notion, too, with, with some of these amnesty notions 15 years ago. But the problem we have seen is that these people come from countries, and we've had this conversation before, where Christianity and Marxism have essentially been intertwined and throughout much of Latin America. By the way, the current pope, where does he come from? He comes from Argentina. Yeah, Latin America. Yeah. So what happens is their countries can no longer support them. So they come here where we still have a fully functioning, vibrant welfare state. That's different than what happened in Cuba and now in Venezuela, where a singular tyrant embodying these notions then is literally out killing people in the streets. And so you are now fleeing. You're not fleeing here because, you know, well, you know, they've got, um, you know, their welfare state is still working over there. You're fleeing here because it's life or death. You've you've seen the full consequences of those actions. That's why there's a difference between Cuban Hispanics in when you do the Hispanic vote in Florida compared to his, you know, the, the the Hispanic vote writ large. And I think that's probably the point that uh, that Jorge is making is he could see that depending on what the percentage of Venezuelans is that has come north, he could see that same you know sort of a factor occurring with with that demographic. I think that's the point that. He was trying to make um, how many people that is, though, at the very least, here's where it's a positive is whether they're a voting impact directly. They could be an indirect one because they're in those communities now sharing their stories of what they saw with other people. And they're they're saying they can say to their neighbors, hey, when you watch that crazy Ocasio-Cortez lady or Bernie Sanders or all these people on TV, hey, do you want to know what life was like back there? In Caracas, I can tell yeah. you. Okay, I lived through it. That can have an impact for sure on a on a relationship level at the very least. And if they exist and those aren't commercials in this next election cycle, that is political malfeasance. Agreed. Totally agree.
Yep. Hey, if you've got uh, ear problems that make you think you're heading to the ear doctor uh, sometime here soon, but you've been putting it off because it's a pain, not just the ear, but uh, the pain of the weight, the copay, then there's the the prescription and everything else. What if I told you you could do this, get all the same results, but in the comfort and convenience of your own home and without a prescription as well. If it sounds too good to be true, you might as well give it a shot. It's called WaxRx. It uses a physician-developed technology that safely and effectively removes earwax buildup and then soothes the ear when it's done to put everything back to normal again. No more wasted time with cotton swabs or other solutions that don't solve anything and might even, in some cases, make the problem worse. And now you can try WaxRx risk-free today. Here's how. Just go to usewaxrx.com. All one word, that's the website. Use waxrx.com and use the offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. Use waxrx.com, offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. Um, thinking more of the Venezuela situation, we got about two minutes here. There's a, there was a meeting at the White House today about potential military action. You have a general yes, no uh, I thought it was. I thought Daniel Horowitz made a, a a worth an intriguing distinction when we asked him about this earlier this week, saying this is in general he's against it, but it's different than putting people on the ground in the Middle East for thirty years. This is our own hemisphere, you know. We're we're trying to put a footprint upon. But what do you think, Todd? Do you have a quick thought on it? Well, my natural inclinations are like uh, the uh, elves from Lord of the Rings, the two towers. You know, yeah, be wary, but um, sometimes you got to pitch in for a friend. Um, but in this particular case, I'm still at no. Where are you at, Aaron? Because it's in our own hemisphere, which is exactly why we should have nothing to do with it militarily. Uh, when you look at what we've done overseas mm. in a different hemisphere, um, have, have things gotten better generally since 2001 in the Middle East, guys? That's the Bay of Pigs answer right there, I, and things, I appreciate it. Have things mm. gotten better? I would say no. So, yeah, hands off. That's, that's my inclination because – as I think Daniel was saying this the other day, we have a tendency, and that's putting it nicely. We have a tendency to not really think two or three steps ahead. Mm-hmm. And because it's in our own hemisphere and because of our inclination to do that, let things sort sort themselves out. I mean, if there's something that you can do to keep Russia from e- essentially setting up a satellite state or something like that. But Russia, again, Russia is a big bad. I, they are serious, but they're not what they once were. So. I'm not sure. It's a serious situation. I'm not trying to downplay it, but just let it play out. Well, you guys know my position is I'm not dogmatic on this anymore. Whatever's in America's best interest one way or the other. Um, Tell you what, before you ask me for military intervention, tell me who the good guys are first. Tell me who the good guys are. Show me they have a credible leader. And then we have this conversation. Okay. We'll come back with more Feedback Friday here in a moment. Stay tuned. It's home shopping season. If you're going to be buying or selling a home here soon, you need to check out realestateagentsitrust.com. It was created because Glenn Beck and some of his associates got tired of dealing with real estate agents who talked a good game, but then didn't get the results that were promised when called upon. So if you are looking for an agent who is worthy of you, that's where Real Estate Agents I Trust comes in. It's different than other referral services that are 
really set up by advocates for real estate agents. Not that they're dishonest. It's just that, you know, they're, they're trying to get uh, clients for agents. In this case, we're trying to find an agent worthy of you, of having you as a client. Uh, this is about putting the power where you're at. And you're looking for an agent that understands uh, and has a long track record of navigating the complicated process of buying and selling real estate that, that also realizes that, hey, math and data is great, but you've got to look beyond the algorithms and that you get along with that's available, personable, because you're going to be working really closely with this person. So if this is something you're looking for, and why wouldn't you be, uh, get moving with realestateagentsitrust.com. That's the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, let's get back to Feedback Friday. This is from Jeffrey Payne, and he writes, when you buy a product at a store and the product turns out to be crap, you take it back to the store to get your money back, right? Our system provided the next generation of product we called education, babysitting and indoctrination with the side order of useful skills. Then we required the marks, I mean mean the children, he writes, to purchase something called advanced education, to even be considered for a decent job, thus the student debt crisis. But the product they were compelled to buy has turned out to be a piece of crap. So we're giving them their money back with our apologies because we've run up $60 trillion in total debt on those poor kids' tabs. And when that tower of debt comes crashing down, and the politicians who bought themselves re-election with it aren't going to be around, neither will the voters who sold those kids out. Conclusion. Forgiving student loan debt is like the bartender on the Titanic announcing drinks are on the house. Right after the ship gutted herself on the iceberg. Might as well drink up, right? Your thoughts. Boom. Uh, You think it's a mic drop? Oh my goodness, that guy gets it uh, on every level who we are uh the way i mean he he is describing uh my the degree to which my upbringing in uh suburban madison uh wisconsin where never once did i ever consider whether i was going uh to college of course i was going to college the the, that slippery slope psychology and he's nailed it aaron what do you think um i i agree he's nailed it he really has. And this is so indicative of just about everything in our society and the culture that we have made for ourselves here or that we have allowed ourselves to um, slide into because, um, you know, if you, don't want to, if you don't want that car or, you know, you don't want, you know, like you said, something at the store, you can take it back. Um, don't, want that, don't want that pregnancy, you can get rid of it. Um, don't want that, uh, mortgage, uh, for that five bedroom house that you bought. Yeah, we'll bail you out. Uh, banks can't, you know, banks are going under, uh, we'll bail that those out. Um, you know, car manufacturers didn't sell enough cars. Yeah, we'll bail you out. That's okay. It's, it's the same thing. It is the complete lack of transparency or uh, not transparency, uh, of responsibility. And each time. Stepping right up to the plate. Big old government. Big old government every single time. Which is why I said earlier this week when Chuck Schumer and announced that uh, he and Trump had agreed to a tri- $2 trillion infrastructure plan. Socialism is as socialism does. Two, $2 trillion for in- if infrastructure. But, you know, the Green Deal is just so hilarious because cow farts. Ha, 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 ha. That's so funny. No, we have we have set the precedent for this over and over and over again 
that nothing is laughable anymore. We can be as outraged and we can be as clickbaity as we want to. We have set the precedent for, uh, you know, universal health care, for bailing out student loans, for saving the environment by spending trillions upon trillions of dollars. Nothing is nothing should make us laugh anymore. Everything is on the table, guys. Everything is on the table. Jeffrey nailed it. If if you're a grandparent. In a, that, that worked your entire life in a heavily subsidized industry, agriculture, education, military, um, public utility. Pick, I mean, I, I'm doing this and I'm realizing there's a lot of this, right? And your millennial grand, grandson can't pay his bills and has, a, has, has your great-grandson on his way and just says, I'm not paying these student loans. I just can't afford them. I got nothing out of this. I'm working in a field that doesn't, you know, come with this anyway, and I'm, I'm not paying them. And I'm voting for the first politician who tells me, I don't have to pay him anymore. That's going to be forgiven. On what grounds do you condemn him? I, I'll wait. I've, I've seen a lot of what you're talking about covering, uh, city council and school board elections, referendums to end. There are a lot of uh, elderly people and when you talk to them and it's usually off the record because they won't tell you on the record but they mm-hmm. just said uh, they, I have no reach in the federal government but right here even I don't even hate the idea of you building this park but I'm I'm sick and I'm tired mm-hmm. and the answer is no I'm tired of you stealing from me well this is the problem with the welfare state is it, it it's built on the violation of the commandment against covetousness to begin with Cause there, and there's a distinction between a safety net and a welfare state I think we would all agree on that we can have an argument about What's the what extent should a safety net ex- exist when cal- when calamity happens? Okay, a natural disaster or something of that nature. Okay, but then there's a safe then there's a welfare state, which is a permanent existence of dependency in the various classes. The government is my provider. Yes, uh, the government is my sugar daddy. The government is Jehovah Jireh. Yes. yes, and then what happens is this creates a str- the the a contest of wills, a struggle of classes of distinctions. As everybody now, um, there's a reason I've used the, the analogy of a government teat before. What do baby pigs do with one mother? What do they do to, in order to get a suckling spot? What do they do? Contest. Do, they, do the baby pigs line up patiently? And, and do like we did the drinking fountains back in the day, Todd, coming in from recess, one, two, three, go. Go back in the line. Do they do that? No. No. They're vying, contending for a suckling spot, for nourishment. And that's exactly what the welfare state has done for us. So if you have worked all of your life and you're retired now and on social and you're collecting social security and you're getting Medicare, tell me, just I'm curious, tell me where's the, where's the wherewithal to condemn your grandchildren for not wanting to pay their student loans? What, what, Hey, Where's the rationale of your argument? I don't see it. We're, we're, we're paying into Social Security still, and, and we're not going to see a penny of that, many yeah. of us. so Now, I am not advocating— it's the least you can do for us. I'm not advocating these policies. Oh. I'm just saying I'm not empowered to stop them. So they existed before I was born, and, and throughout the course of my lifetime have only gotten bigger and stronger. So since this has been the culture now for two generations, if this is who we are as a culture— I don't, I don't, I really don't understand the notion that I don't even get what Bill Maher said, frankly, 
I mean, we, we talked about that on the roundtable earlier this week on one of our daily roundtables. You know, you know, he's out there saying nothing in life is free. We give away freebies all the time. Bill Maher is a vocal advocate of the political party that has 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 built it from the time the, the Democratic Party was was essentially a, a dead letter until the Great Depression. It rebuilt itself off of the early proto welfare state that FDR created with the New Deal. That's how it rebuilt itself. And then it realized it can it can use government to create permanent majorities. And that's what it's done. Since from the time of FDR till now, it has used government to create itself permanent majorities in places and in demographics. Well, that's FDR. FDR died in the White House in 1944. That's 30 years before I, you or I were born. That's 50 years before Aaron was born. So tell me if you've been, th this has been going on a lot longer than now. So I, tell me how, where, where the older generations get off saying to the, 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 the generation that's just now getting into its prime earning years, just now entering into those years, where it gets off telling them, you don't get your freebie like we got ours all these, all these years. Help me. I don't understand. I don't, I don't, I don't get that argument. I don't. Does it make any sense to you? I, I don't. I think, by the way, I think it's terrible policy. I think they're all terrible policies. I don't think Medicare's made... I don't think Medicare has made medicine better. Yeah. Tell, tell me what silver bullet argument we can make against it, though. We're, but we're stuck now. I don't believe we can. That's why it's revival or bust. Yep. That's why it's revival or bust. So, but if this is, if this is the die we have cast, I don't get, by the way, it's, it's also not a good idea. You know, we've often talked about that we don't understand the left picking a culture war or picking a civil war fight with the people who have all the guns. That's typically not the way it works, you know? Uh, well, Steve, they're going to confiscate the guns. Really? You guys are just going to all hand them over? Then you deserve to be conquered as far as I'm concerned. I'm not, why am I here every day defending you? If you're just going to hand your guns over to the jackbooted thugs when they show up, then why are we even doing this? I don't think you're handing over your guns. Okay. So likewise, is it a good strategy to alienate the people as a, from a political perspective? Is it a good strategy to alienate the people that are going to be voting longer than anybody else? Todd, is that a good strategy? So then tell me, what's the argument, given the realities of the world in which we live? What is the argument against this? I don't see one. I'm, I'm not happy about that. You know, but I don't, I don't see an argument against it. You're essentially saying, I got mine, you can't have yours. What yeah. other argument is there? Do, is there another I argument? I'm you, waiting. I've seen it happen a bunch of times. Yes, yeah, but it's 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 the natural concept. It's a it, it it's a logical uh, when when you're when you're ta ultimately taking over the truths designed by God and deifying yourself. Th this is this is what's going to happen. It's not it's not everybody. It's not really everybody in the pool. It's it's it is. I am going to get mine mm -hmm. one way. Or the, if I have to use you and the pretense of all of us to get mine, mm -hmm. I will do that. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. That was my point. I mean, if you're going to laugh at the Green New Deal, I keep bringing that up because it's it's the most ludicrous example of of government poor expense, whatever. The the most ludicrous, most recent example of that. The reason, if you're going to laugh at that, tell me what your silver bullet argument against it is. I don't. Uh, it's it's going to create waste, fraud, and abuse. Yeah. Okay. You you. My point. You don't have one. We are, we are, as you said, we're stuck. 
It's revival or bust. They're, the only arguments against all these things are moral. Um, you know, the, but the problem is the Republican Party has made all their arguments against these things for the last 20, 30 years on the basis of what we can afford. We've, we've, we've had a debt clock all my life, as long as I can remember. We can't afford any of this. We never could. Couldn't afford your Benny, their Benny, or the new Bennies. So we made the worst possible argument. Um, <laughs> and now, if Joe Biden is the nominee next year, you're going to run on make more make America moral again. So I don't. <laughs> you betcha. Why not? Why not? Uh, next note. This is and we had several notes on the college loan thing. Let me share a couple more. Jim in Illinois says, I realize there's a big problem with student loan debt. I also believe there may be no real solution. I just can't see any upside to a to another government bailout. What about wiping out the interest instead of the entire debt? I would require that would re I would require some minimal payments to be made each month or year. This would promote some amount of personal responsibility without crushing bills and accrued interest. Why not allow students some ability to kick the can down the road like Congress does? I get I love how you're thinking, Jim. You're trying to come up with a plausible, realistic explanation of this. You're also going to be called a racist. I mean, this is the this is the taste great less filling debate Republicans have lost for decades. The Republican says, "Well, I, I want to spend uh, fifty million on yeah, you know, uh, uh, polka dot spotted uh, uh, two headed vegans that uh, are born on Labor Day once a year and are you know discriminated against." They get. I think we finally found something to retire Aaron's uh, intersectionality. I just couldn't remember how long it is. Polka dot, two-headed, whatever you just said, it's in the running. And then the Democrat he's running against says, well, I'm going to spend $100 because you're a racist and a homophobe now, too. And maybe you probably hate Hispanics while we're at it. Yeah. You lose you, you every time. You can't play their game no. better than they can. So to me, you're either giving in or you're not. So, so oh, by the way, wow, social, all these other welfare state programs, these entitlement programs, they're all insolvent. We're not telling old people that they don't get a certain... They, well, you can only get a certain percentage of your Social Security. You only get a certain percentage of your Medicare. Cover the tab, the rest. We don't tell them that. We're back to the same argument all over again. We're back to the same argument all over again. By the way, this is the intended argument of a welfare state. Treason never prospers. What's the reason? Because whenever treason prospers, none. We dare call it treason. This is the goal. The goal is inevitably to put you in a position where resistance is futile. And so you don't view assimilation as conquering, but as relief. Might as well get my spot into my chair to sit in before the music stops playing. If you're holding out for limited government, you're the fool here. Vicki Abbott writes, if present student loans are forgiven, what happens with future student loans? Isn't that just the beginning of free college for all? Yes. That's part of Warren's plan, I thought. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly what it is. You bet it is. And if you, love, if you love your current academic freedom and your current free speech on campus, you can keep it. Because if you think you don't have any now, just wait until the government is deciding absolutely everything. Everything. This, to borrow a phrase, we're in the end game hmm. now. That's where we are. We're in the end game now. And that's why you want to talk to our friends at Swiss America. 
Okay. I mean, they are deeply disturbed about what's happening and the direction we're heading as a country. If, if Craig R. Smith at Swiss America is listening today, he's been listening to the last 20 minutes of this, just preach from his car, his office, whatever, wherever he is listening to us from today. Uh, this is why they created their uh, Protect Your Wealth Report. It's free if you want to check it out. 800-289-2646 is the number. 1-800-289-2646. You can visit them online at SwissAmerica.com as well. Uh, and and SwissAmerica.com, that's the website. And this report will help you discover how we, the people, we abandoned free market economics, really biblical economics, chose the road to socialism instead. Find out which asset class you need to own now to protect and grow your wealth. That's why it's called the Protect Your Wealth Report only from our friends, and it's free from our friends at Swiss America. Go to the website right now and get it, SwissAmerica.com. That's the site, SwissAmerica.com. Gentlemen, what did we learn here today? Todd, start with you. Uh, well, it's amazing how uh, how Thanos and that movie will continue, continue to be an instructive force for the kind of things we talk about whether or not the Russo's intended to be or not, um, it's a reminder. Uh, God has a plan. If only we have ears to hear and eyes to see. What do you think, Aaron? <sighs> yeah, man, I'm, I, I've been disturbed the last few minutes. Uh, there's this video that's going around now for memory. I, I you know, played this. This is, these are children at uh, a mosque in Philadelphia, not at Amman, Jordan, not that Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, singing, we will chop off their heads and we will liberate the sorrowful, exalted Al-Aqsa Mosque. I don't want to end on such a sour note, but it is imperative, as Todd says so many times, quoting from uh, Lord of the Rings, wars upon you, whether you wish it to be or not. I know I just bastardized that. Um, but as we head into the weekend, despite that... Um, when we were, you know, when Daniel uh, wa- and and the Israelites were captive, still have babies, uh, still have families, plant farms, live life. Um, that would be my encouragement because uh, war is upon you, and in many ways we are we are prisoners uh, here. Um, but that doesn't that shouldn't and it wouldn't and it won't stop us from uh, doing what we should do, and actually, you know, living our lives to the glory of God. Everybody have a great weekend. We are back at it again on Monday. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.